when uh, John the Apostle wants to tell us about Jesus, he kind of can't contain himself. The language spills over the page. And um, around the 14th verse down, you get this fantastic line. We've seen his glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. We've seen his glory full of grace and truth. And we live in a flattened culture that's lost a lot of its joy and wonder, its poetry, its mystery, its soul. It's a very fact-based culture. A world that is rather like eat snails, build nests, lay eggs. But God has more for us than that. Which is why God calls us to be lovers before we are thinkers. I want you to get hold of that because it's really important. He calls us to be lovers before we are thinkers. We live in a world that loves to conceptualize, systematize, chop things up, put logic around them, summarize, redact them, reduce them, simplify them, put things in a little box, and there is a value to doing that. But God calls us to be lovers before we are thinkers, and following Jesus is first and foremost a journey of the heart. And of course... That does not come to us easily because to love is to make yourself vulnerable and to be vulnerable means to get hurt. If you don't want to get hurt, don't love. Everybody worships, it's how we're made which actually means that everybody is vulnerable, whether we choose or not, because we're vulnerable to the thing we worship. The only question is who or what we worship, whether it's Jesus or something else. But we worship him because of who he is, because he is the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Which is why whenever we're talking about vision, if you haven't worked it out, it's Vision Sunday today. We start with Jesus himself and at the moment our sense is that he's stirring up in us hunger for him. He wants us to press in. I am trying partially successfully before I go to bed to develop the practice of stilling my heart and stilling my mind and focusing back on God and reviewing with him how the day has been and finding some scripture to go to bed with. But unfortunately, that means I've got to stop reading whatever I was reading or stop watching whatever I was watching, whatever else I was doing a bit earlier than I would like to, which is, you know. 
But I, I often find I come back to the Psalms and there's a verse from Psalm 105 which is staying with me and it's seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. And when we have Jesus, we find and gain everything, and without him, we can do nothing of real value. He calls us to fly with him, a bit like the ugly duckling. And it's because of that that we want to see the city transformed, that we want to make life better, that we want to make disciples But if we just start there, without the journey of the heart, we will likely burn out, get disillusioned, something will go wrong, our heart will be wounded, and we won't know what to do. So I want to talk about our sense of calling, but from that place of being a lover before I am a thinker, before I am a theologian, before anything else, including before I am a missionary. And you may remember in June at our annual meeting, if you were here, uh, we showed you this map of Sheffield. And uh, there's Philadelphia marked with a P and King Centre with a K. The area to the south and the west, highlighted in purple, which is about a third of the city, is much more prosperous. And most of the Christians and most of the churches are there. The area to the north and east, highlighted in green, is much less prosperous. And most of the areas with high deprivation indices are there. And obviously, it's not a complete or accurate picture, but it's broadly true. Our primary sense of calling, of where Jesus is sending us and how, for the purple part, the southwest part, is mission through communities, in households, through neighborhoods, in our workplaces, wherever God puts us day by day. Our main way of reaching the two-third city in green is church or gospel planting, especially through Forge and Restore. And this is something that God's put in our hands. It's an amazing opportunity. We didn't sit down one day and make a strategy as a leadership team, either me or my predecessors, and say, this is what we're going to do. It didn't happen like that. The vision is a grassroots vision, It came from you. It started with a group of people who planted out from Crooks or planted out from Sheffield House Church, if you're King Centre, into this place with a vision for the whole city. Not to be a parish church, but to have a vision for the whole city. And the Compassion Ministry... It was a grassroots ministry. It didn't start 
with a team of the good and the great making a strategy and then sort of deploying people to fill it. It started with individuals and small communities with a heart for people who cared about people doing something about it and that's something that they did about it growing into a ministry. And then God kind of bringing those ministries together and networking their ministries together to be a discipleship pathway into wholeness and also into faith in Jesus. And the youth ministry started in much the same way. It's a grassroots ministry. It's a grassroots calling and it belongs to you. In the two-thirds of Sheffield, it's a church planting vision, not starting with a minister and a building and a church service, but finding a partner and then going to meet young people on their own terms. And I, I want to remind you, I hope you know this, I hope it would trip off your tongue, but every week Forge interacts with well over 500 young people, of at least one half of whom are in the green bit of Sheffield. And most of those don't have anybody else with them doing what we're doing. And of course, the area in purple, one-third Sheffield, is just as important, just as godly, just as cool. It's where most of us here today live. And in fact... The purple bit's especially important because that's where the culture comes from. That's where the willingness to go comes from. That's where the resources and the money and the volunteers comes from. And I want you to catch God's heart for the city You know, a day like today when we talk about the the one-third and the two-thirds Sheffield is, is partly to celebrate how good God is, but it's also to stir up in you questions. Okay, so what's my calling? Where where do I fit into this? How, you know, is there something new that God is calling me to do, or does he bring Does he want to breathe new life into what I'm doing now? You know, are there people that I'm sort of connected with, but I could connect with more? Come back to that in a bit. It always starts with God's heart, and therefore it always starts with prayer. And in just a minute, I'm going to hand over to Anne. She's going to talk a little bit about the prayer side and how we're organizing that. Spontaneous prayer is fantastic, but unless we do some work together, there's generally a lot less of it. But I want you to take just a minute with the Holy Spirit. Two-thirds Sheffield one-third Sheffield, or any other paradigm you like. But how is God calling you right now? What stirs in your heart? What gets you excited? 
How can your dream side with the Holy Spirit connect to your everyday side? Let's just take a minute. Holy Spirit, come and stir us up now and speak to our hearts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Anne's going to come and talk a bit about prayer and then we're going to hear some stories about what's been going on. Dom, could we have my uh, first overhead? Thanks. We've got a great church vision to see Sheffield transformed, make lives better, make disciples. And as a body, we are doing loads of really good stuff at many different levels and in many different contexts. It's amazing. Uh, But if we are going to see breakthroughs we, we long for, we really need to take the spiritual dimension of transformation seriously and engage with prayer. So I've developed a strategy for praying for Sheffield that takes account of the one-third, two-thirds city. And the vision is to pray for the two-thirds city, the four hills that make up the two-thirds city, in, um, as if we were praying for an overseas mission project. The thing is, I, as I was thinking about this, I realized that God, since I arrived in Sheffield, God had been speaking to me about the seven hills. Uh, and um, the two-thirds city covers four of those hills, starting with the north and ending with the south round here. And the one-third is really the three areas on the left. And so for the four hills in the two-thirds city, the vision is to pray as if we were praying for Thailand or China or an overseas missionary to be praying for God's kingdom to come. Uh, And I'm uh, actually uh, inviting or challenging you to commit to pray for one of those hills. You can pray in your own time and in your own way, uh, but I have got a regular update coming Uh, by email of what's happening through Network Church Sheffield so that you don't have to guess what to pray, that there will be updates. So that's uh, the Northern Estates, that's Shire Green, Firth Park, Furvale, Pittsmoor. Then we've got Attercliffe and Darnall, Manor, Richmond, Hackenthorpe, Arbenthorne, Healy, Gleadless, Northern Woodseats. Those four there. And uh, at the back, I've got some sheets there, over there, so you can sign up for email updates. It would be really good to back uh, Forge, in particular, who's doing amazing stuff, but also the um, communities which live in the, the two-thirds city. 
but then for the southwestern hills, where many of us live, these uh, three on the left, Hillsborough, Broomhall, Sharrow, those three there, the strategy is to mobilise all of us to pray for our neighbours. It's to take up the joy and responsibility of being God's people where we are. Uh, and the idea is to pray on your own, pray around the kitchen table, or get together to pray. We're developing a video resource to help with that, and uh, I've left a few packs of prayer ideas on the table if you'd like to do that. In fact, I would love everybody to do that. In addition to that, I've started an intercession evening on the first and third Monday of the month at Philly. King's Centre already has a monthly prayer and praise on a Sunday evening so that we can pray for the church gathered as well as the church scattered. And then this November again, we're going to hold another tent of meeting, an invitation to spend a week loving Jesus and being loved by him. None of us can do everything in the church, but as we unite in prayer for the church and the city, I'm confident we're going to see lives changed and the city transformed. Good morning. Uh, We made it to church. We had a slightly challenging night where um, uh, Tabitha and Beth have had flu this week, so Tabitha's breathing wasn't great. So uh, we put some of that Vicks stuff um, on her, and she grabbed the Vicks stuff and rubbed it in her eye, so we had about two hours of screaming, but she was fine. We washed her eye. She was fine. Um, But it was a slightly challenging night, but we're here We're ready. We're excited for the vision. Um, I love hearing Peter speak that again. It's amazing. And and, um, I'm looking forward to hearing more from Jane and Sam as we unpack it more. But um, the part of the vision, as you hopefully will know, uh, that God has asked me to look after and and to hold is the one-third piece, um, which is mission and community. And we're going to bang that drum again. You guys have heard this. A lot of you have been around for many years, but God has done something precious with mission and community. And as a people, God has stirred us to be missionaries wherever we are. Uh, gone are the days where it's about, oh, I'm going to Africa. or you know, And those are great. Don't, don't get me wrong. Those are great. But God has called you to a place to be a missionary for this city, for this church. And... Um, it's amazing. We've got that verse up there, Jeremiah 29, 7. Um, I'm just going to read that to remind us again. Um, I prefer this version. No offense, that's fine. Um, but seek the welfare and prosperity of this city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord for it. On, pray to the Lord for its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. What is the space in this city that God has asked you to seek the prosperity and welfare for? Who are your neighbours, your colleagues, the people around you that God is saying, go and be my light, go and be my missionary, sent to that place. We are all citizens of heaven. We are members of God's house, but here he has put us for a season. You may only be here for a few months. Students, you might just be here. 
for a year doing a master's, but what is the space? What is your patch that God has asked you to look after, to tend to, to pray for on behalf of this city? God is stirring something amongst us in communities. And um, it's amazing. If you could put the, uh, the map back up, that would be really helpful. Everyone else had slides. And I said to Peter, do I need slides? He was like, you can have them if you want. So I went with no, and I'm going to steal one of Peter's. Um, this picture is incredible. The, all of the people that um, lived in the more affluent areas, that's historic from when um, this city was um, really high in industry. Because basically the wind blows... Uh, from that way across the um, two-third, across to the two-thirds. So all of the smoke from the factories didn't blow up the hill to the rich people. So they lived out of the way so that they didn't get all the, the smog. But um, God has given us a word that says the, the city is going to bless both, both sides. The, the wind of God's presence is going to go both ways. This isn't just about us um, sitting at the top of the hill in the one third and going, right, we're going to bless you, high and mighty. God's doing something here that we're going to, yes, God will do that. And there will be a move of his presence. God's promised us this. But also, what can the one third learn from the two thirds? What does it look like to, to come in humility and be like, oh, what can we learn from those that maybe are in the more deprived areas or poor areas? What does it look like to come in humility and generosity and say, how can we learn from you? Teach us. I think that's what transformation begins to look like when people lay down where they live and, and, and their social status and say, no, do you know what? We're in this together. We're part of one city. What does it look like? What could it look like in that one third if in every, maybe every other street there's a household or a community that goes, these are my people. These are my people. And um, I was struck again by John, John 13. Jesus says after an incredible um, conversation with the disciples, uh, at the end just he says, um, John 13, 35, you'll know it. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. Peter's encouraged us to be drawn in again and loved and known by God. And it starts with him. It starts by being loved by him. But once we're loved by him, God calls us to love one another. And when we love one another really well, we then can love the lost, the broken, the lonely. You imagine, imagine a shop window. Imagine people looking in and looking at what's on offer in the shop. Do people look at your lives and your relationships with each other in this church, in your neighborhood and go, wow, I want some of that. I'm really attracted. I've got to get hold of that. So in households and communities, we are seeing God do this. People loving one another really well. This year we've started more households. We've multiplied communities. What would it look like if organically things were growing, people were coming to faith so that we had to do new expressions of church. We had to connect one another better. That's why we've been so focused and we've said, who lives near you? You know, there were, there were people in this church that didn't know that per, the person that lived on a couple of streets down from them, but they share in this body together. Maybe your patch of, of um, the city, maybe your part is, is the is your workplace or is your mum's group or is the school gate? What does it look like to be a light and a missionary in that place? And we want to help you and empower you to do that. Just one story um, from a household that has grown this year. 
connecting with four non-Christians. They chose to be really intentional. So six Christians from this church said, do you know what? Instead of just having a regular meetup, we're going to meet twice a week. The bar's a bit higher. We're going to show how we love one another. We're going to open the Bible together once. We're going to share meals together regularly. We are going to share resources. Like it says in the early church in Acts, when, when the wind of God's presence began to take off, shared resources, worshipping together, praying together, everything in common, exchanging in each other's houses. What does that look like? So these six people. And then they said, but who, who can we connect? And, and God gave them people who were just longing for community. We live in an age of radical individualism. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's, it's so sad. People are like, I have my own way and I'm going to meet my own needs in my own way. But this is radically different. We're talking about radical community, not radical individualism. And these people were longing for that. We're in the age of radical individualism, but people are longing for family and connection. And these four people, just their friends, they just said, oh, we just have a meal once a week. Why don't you come? So they came along, came into the meal and did simple things. They shared food together. They, they thanked God. They, they did Thanksgiving around the table. And these guys were really transparent. They've chosen to, when they do thank that Thanksgiving thing or, or what's been tough about your day, they choose to share really vulnerably. So I'm, oh, I'm really thankful that I, I heard from God this week. Or I saw something in God's word that just I hadn't seen before. Choosing to be really real and vulnerable. And now they have um, regularly connecting with these guys who are regularly in their homes. And they're beginning to think about what's the next step on the journey. What would it look like to take them on a discipleship journey? And it's really exciting. And they, um, they said to me that uh, gather to go has really helped. gather to go is our training and resourcing um, part that helps us do this with huddles and gatherings and learning communities together. So if you haven't gone to gather to go please connect into that. I think it would be a really useful tool. The next one is in March. Um, what would it look like for everyone in this church to be like, right, this is my patch. This is where I'm going to be missional. And this is where I'm going to seek the welfare and prosperity of this city. Um, I want to encourage you, if you're not already in a household or a community, come and talk to me. We'd love, you, we'd love to connect you with people or we'd love to help you start your own. Um, please don't just be here and not do that because it is, it is amazing. It's a real gift. Beth and I, it's the highlight of our week to connect with our household. So, um, yeah, be encouraged. God is doing something amongst us in the one third um, that is going to really bless this city and see transformation. Thank you. Um, hello, um, for those who don't know me, my name's Jane Franklin and I lead something called Restore, which is the ministry in our church that reaches out to those who are in need in our city and we have 12 different social action um, uh, projects going on every week uh, to do just that. So I'm just going to give you a little tiny update uh, from one of our um, developments. Um, this year we were able to secure some funding uh, to um, develop our more than food services uh, around our food bank. Uh, so food bank, as you know, people come in um, and they've been referred to us and they're at crisis point 
um, and they need, obviously, food. And we're, we're not just giving them food. What we're doing right now is developing that, and we're building on what we've been doing for years, actually. We've developed a team so that when people come in, um, they can um, go and get their food, and they can talk to the volunteers. And through that conversation, those conversations, we can begin to appropriately like establish what is the reason for this person needing to come in. And right there and then, in um, our hub services, that's what we're calling it, um, we're able to help people if, for example, they come in um, and they've just lost their job. So we can help them uh, move into employment through helping them with CV writing and interview skills. If somebody comes in and they're in debt, we're able to refer them immediately to our debt services. If somebody walks in and they're really struggling with budgeting, well, we can offer them some coaching sessions there and then, and then um, we can refer them on to our life skills course that runs alongside Food Bank. Um, the hub is being led by somebody called John Davis, who's part of the Parson Cross community in the north of the city. Um, and he's uh, gathered together a great team of volunteers to provide these services. And he's working alongside Chris Hardy, who's doing a, a fantastic job, continuing to do a fantastic job with the food bank. But just a story that just shows how somebody can be helped through the hub. Uh, so I'll, I'll, this lady's called Heather, although that's not her real name. So uh, just a couple of months, she walked into a food bank. She'd just been referred to us through a local community centre. Um, and she walked in, and she was obviously extremely anxious. She'd come with her daughter. Um, and she came in, and she met with our great volunteers from food bank, and they just made her feel you know, at ease and safe straight away. And in that conversation, she felt able to tell them the reason why she was there and it was because she was in crippling debt so immediately the volunteers go and get John and his team and they come over and they offer her a session um, and basically in that conversation again they were able to refer her to our debt services and right there and then at the food bank were able to gather a lot of her paperwork together and clearly write down what her next steps needed to be because she was like in her desperation, she was like really, really motivated. We were able to quickly go out and visit her in her home. Um, she's uh, not a Christian yet, um, but um, she's definitely a person of peace. And she, she was very open about her life and her anxieties and what had led up to there. And she's part of a, quite a big family. She's got a number of children. Um, and along the way, we would be like, you know, praying for her and with her. And we'd often hear her, her say, um, what she's been saying, it's not that long ago, those prayers, you know, they're really working. And she's like, her eyes are opening. Um, and, then, um, and then basically we were able to, as well as part of the process, invite her into our Connect Cafe. And of course, there's a great team there and they make people feel really safe. And from conversations there, she said, you know what, I want to start giving back because the hub is really changing my life. The hub and restore are changing my life and I want to give something back. So she's exploring uh, volunteering. And only this week we were able to go to her um, and uh, talk her through the next steps in her debt process and she's really well on her way. Um, and so we, we'd present it to her um, and every now and again she just started going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So already she's learning who's helping her, so that's just fantastic. So I just want to encourage you that through the hub, not only are we able to immediately help people at their crisis point, 
but we're also able to give them a taste and an experience of who Jesus is and offer her a discipleship pathway. Um, it's an absolute joy and delight to get to know this lady. And like Josh was saying, what is it that we can learn from the two-thirds? I'm learning so much from this woman. Um, and the thing is, we're not just influencing her, her life. She's got six kids. So we have the potential to change different, more generations. So be encouraged. If you want to hear more about it or come and volunteer, it is a really easy way to engage with the two-thirds of the city. And we would love to speak to you later on. So come and grab me. Thank you, Jane. I love Vision Sunday. I absolutely love Vision and I just want to say, like, as a, 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 basically a son of this church, over the last 25 years, I came as a student, um, wet behind the ears. I've been involved over the years in all these different little bits and bobs that we do. And to see what, what Peter said so eloquently about how God has brought that to bear. I absolutely love vision. I will give my life to all of it. And so I'm here just to talk to you about the King Centre part of that vision. Of course, it is the same vision. That's the most important thing to say, that all of what you've heard already is what we are going after. But what does it look like for a local church within Netheredge on the border of Sharrow and the two-thirds Sheffield? So first of all, what does KC stand for? Well, obviously, it stands for King Centre. But it is putting, and we put the king at the center of our lives. That is the first and foremost. And we establish through our generations, through our kids' work, through our youth work, um, through the work we do in huddles and with our young adults and with our old adults and with our very old adults, we establish a discipleship culture. So that when we go into the workplace, when we go into our neighborhoods, we um, establish and build kingdom communities so that we see the kingdom come. Can you see where I've gone with that? KC. Okay. And recently, um, we have seen God doing a new thing. And um, the word at the moment comes from Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I think our nation seems a bit like a wasteland at the moment where there's not a clear purpose and a clear direction. But we, through the Spirit, bring that, just that, because that's always been God's vision. And um, as it springs up, it is a very vulnerable thing. For, for us, we are smaller than Philadelphia. It feels like we are a delicate little seedling that pokes up the ground. And it seems like anything could uh, just extinguish it at any moment. And yet that's how God deals with um, all growth. It starts delicate and precious. And it grows. And what we want it to become is something that we already see in evidence, which is God's kingdom. It grows and attracts, just like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows. It's the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree so that even birds of the air come and perch in its branches. 
And so we see young mothers and toddlers come to the King's Kids groups on a Monday and a Friday morning. We see the elderly people come to lunch club on a Thursday afternoon or come to Renew Cafe um, with mental health problems. And they just come and they're attracted to the, the love and the attention that they're given and they become part of our community and our missional communities in and about the, the neighbourhoods of the southwest of Sheffield do exactly that so that this tree grows bigger and bigger and becomes an oak tree. Where, yes, lots of things can nest in an oak tree. Whole ecosystems can live off an oak tree. And it's rooted in Jesus with prayer and Bible and worship and rest and love at the heart of it. And we are organized through households and mission communities. But as I've said, all these other missional endeavors are places where we get involved and we see the kingdom come. And that is the, that is the vision that God has given us.